I'll remember to turn my mic on tonight. <laughs> Martin told me this morning that while I was speaking, the battery may go dead in the microphone. Don't worry about it. He would just switch me over to this mic. Well, I forgot. I, I got up here and forgot to turn it on at all. So, <laughs> so I guess I was on this mic the whole time. So, but I've got this one on tonight. Now it may die. Now you may have to switch it back over. But. <laughs> You know, one of the wonderful things I think about the Bible is the number of people that are mentioned in the Bible that were followers of God. Maybe they weren't followers in the beginning, but became followers of God. Of course, the Bible does not leave us any shortage of witnesses about those who were dedicated to God. We know we can go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and we can see there's so many faithful children of God mentioned there that wanted to do God's will. And as we look at those people, I, I like to look at them as someone we can follow or pattern our lives by and look at how they viewed life. Of course, we know life was very much different for them uh, back then in many ways, but there are some things that don't change for humanity and things that we're all subject to and uh, whether it be family problems or physical ailments or just different decisions that we have to make in life we all go through that you know even Adam and Eve had to make decisions and we can see in God's word how that people handled life many handled it as God wanted them to many strayed from what God wanted and it's no different today. We have that same problem today in uh, people straying from God and even maybe in our own lives from time to time straying from God. It's not a new problem. But as we look at things in our lives to help us be better people, we can look no, to a no better place than the Bible and those that are contained within the pages of this holy word. And I'm thankful for that. And in several cases or verses and different occasions, we're told that a certain thing or a certain person is used as an example. And that's good because we know that if it says that a person or a city or whatever was used as an example, there's some importance behind that. Of course, we can look around us in our own day and age and we can see things that would be good examples or things that would not be good examples. I like to think that in my life uh, as a Christian that I'm living a life that would be a good life, good enough for someone to follow as an example. I think that's something we all as Christians should work toward. Uh, you're an example one way or another, either good or bad, you're an example. But as God's children, we should be good examples. And that's to help others that come around us maybe view us up close, or may, may view us from afar. And it's important to set the right example. I know within the past few years, uh, there has been those that are in the uh, spotlight who said that they didn't want to be an example. Well, it's really not up to them, is it? Unless they remove themselves from the public's eye. Because people are going to look at them, young children will look at them, especially if it's a sports figure or entertainment, something in that area, young children pay attention. 
Unfortunately, some are not good role models, and young children have followed those uh, people and uh, end up in trouble sometimes or in areas that they shouldn't be as far as their lives. But it's important to be in the right place in life. It's important to be what God wants us to be. It's easy to follow our own path, but it's not so easy to follow the path that God has laid out for us for righteousness' sake. And we can, and, and I've done this in times past as far as picking a particular person or a group of people to mention their lives and to look at them and to see what we can learn from that. How can we apply some of their uh, attitudes and their actions to our lives to make us better Christians? And God has most definitely given us a great record of people throughout history, men and women. And it's important for us to study those from time to time because oftentimes it's not just a matter of uh, personal character, but also what they're involved in at the time, which has a little more broad-reaching vision on it. So tonight we're going to look at some people, and just for a few moments we're going to look at their lives and to see not only the fact that they were good examples, but what was their attitude? What's our attitude in life? What's our attitude toward the Word of God? And so on and so forth. So I think these people are good examples for us to look at and to study and maybe even pattern ourselves. We do that with the the young children when we teach them Bible stories. We teach them about the people that are involved in the Bible stories and what they did and and how uh, they had a relationship with God, although young kids a lot of times don't understand what a relationship is. They're learning, although they don't understand what it is. So when we look at those examples left for us in God's Word, we can look at it as something positive and good for us. Remember the Apostle Paul, as he uh, wrote and it was recorded in Romans 15.4, said that for whatsoever things are written aforetime were, were written for our learning. So one thing, that's a main purpose there, for our learning. But not only that, he goes on to say that through patience and comfort of the scriptures that we might have hope. You know, we not only can look at these people in their uh, example as attitude, but we can look in a way sometimes to realize that they went through some of the same things that we're going through or we're going through the same things they went through. And that helps us a lot of times in life to look at someone and know someone has gone through the same thing. And then Although we don't like to go through certain things, there is one benefit to that a lot of times is that once we get through something, we're more qualified to help somebody else get through that. And I think as Christians, we should want to be able to help people, whether they're members of the church or not. We, we should want to help people in areas uh, of bereavement, uh, the problems that people face daily as far as daily necessities, and so on and so forth. And I, I think that as we look at these people, we can see that. We can see what they were about. We know that the Apostle Paul is the main writer in the New Testament. The number of things, the number of letters and things that he wrote. And we see a man that was uh, dedicated to God, not only as a Christian, but before he became a Christian, following the law of Moses, he felt like that's what God wanted him to do. So he wasn't trying to serve God or to neglect God in any way. It was just that he was not serving God in the correct way. And, of course, when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus, 
the Apostle Paul, soon to be the Apostle Paul, had the right attitude. He didn't reject what he saw on the road. He didn't reject our Lord. Sometimes I wonder if people today would have rejected God face to face because they did it then. I don't think humanity changes that much. There would be those, if Christ was happened to be here personally today, there would still be those that would reject Him face to face. Paul was a person who wanted to please God. And we learned about Christ, he wanted to please Christ. Being struck dead, uh, not dead, but struck blind there on the road uh, to Damascus, he was told to go into the city, and that's exactly what he did. He didn't fight, he didn't argue, he did what he was told. And then he sat there for three days not having any vision, not being able to see at all, and I've often wondered how tough that would be. Because we're so used to having our sight. Just to go 12 hours with no sight, how would you feel? I just recently, and they just recently put it on TV, there's a condition that blind people have that uh, affects their sense of what time of day it is. And I never had thought about that before because you're thinking, well, blind people, they would, they would know what time it is like we do, but their systems get off sometimes. And I thought how not only is it bad enough not to have your sight, now you've got your timing out of order. But not having that sight would be traumatic enough. But you're going to be told to go somewhere and to sit and wait. Well, we hate to wait, don't we? I know that I have trouble waiting a lot of times. We have to do that. We may have to go to the hospital and to the waiting room and wait, whatever. It's hard for us to just sit and wait. But especially if you had just been in a situation where your whole life has just changed. Now Paul, or Saul at that time, he, was, he had no sight. That was something he was not used to. And yet he obeyed God, obeyed Christ. He went to the city. And when he was told to arise and be baptized, he didn't stand up and say, Hold it, baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Just let me call on the name of the Lord. I'll just call on the name of the Lord. That'll be okay. How well, Paul had already seen that prayer wasn't going to change anything. He'd been praying for three days, and he was still blind. Yet, he followed the command to be baptized. We know that the Apostle Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. Have you ever been ashamed of the gospel? Ashamed to speak up for the gospel? I don't know if you have or not. I hope not. Now, we know that there is a time and a place for everything, and sometimes you may not, it may not be the right time or place to speak up for the gospel. But about, what about a time that you had that was the right time and you didn't do it because you were ashamed? You would have been embarrassed to talk about religious matters. The Apostle Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. As a matter of fact... He suffered heavily for the gospel, physically, emotionally. He had the weight of the churches on his shoulders. Oftentimes he would shed tears because of the problems that the brethren were having. Shipwrecked, beaten, thrown in prison. And you know, he kept going. Apostle Paul was... A tremendous man in a lot of ways. 
He gave up having a normal family life so that he could travel around, establish congregations, and go back and preach at those congregations to make sure that the brethren were doing well and the work was going well. There were people who, who accused him of, of certain things. They denied his apostleship. They called him a troublemaker. And yet Paul continued to do what he was called to do. Did God force Paul to, to follow that path? Absolutely not. But Paul understood the necessity of that, plus it was in his heart. Apostle Paul was one who looked forward. As he says, it's recorded for us in Philippians, the third chapter, where he talks that about he had not uh, considered himself to apprehended. In other words, he had not considered himself to have uh, gotten to the spot where he could say, okay, enough's enough. I've done a lot. You know, I've done a lot for God, and, and now it's time for me to sit back and rest. The Apostle Paul was not that way. He continued doing the Lord's work. You know, oftentimes we, we read and we talk about things, but we don't really reflect on it. You know, a lot of times back then, the way they got somewhere was by the two feet <laughs> that they had. They didn't have... The modern conveniences, yes, did they have transportation? They had animals that could pull wagons, but they didn't have a nice, smooth asphalt road like we've got out here just recently. I don't, I'm amazed at how smooth that thing is. It's nice. But they didn't have that kind of luxury back then, and yet they continued to go. The Apostle Paul went on three missionary journeys to where he traveled. He traveled by ship. He walked. I don't see, think that we could have a sermon like this without at least mentioning the Apostle Paul and, and his dedication and looking at him and, say, and asking ourselves, well, how dedicated are we? How much are we going to put into serving God? The Apostle Paul put everything in. He put his whole heart and soul into serving God. And he loved the brethren. It broke his heart when they did many things that they did. But the Apostle Paul is one that we most definitely can look at and say, I'm thankful that Paul had that kind of attitude, that kind of drive to serve God. Another person I want to mention tonight is that of David, King David. I don't know how it'd be to be a king of a people. To rule from a throne, whether good or bad, is just a strange concept to many of us. But David was a man who believed in God from his youth. Being a shepherd boy, he understood about hard work. Because if any of you have done farm work, you know that farm work's not easy. And being a shepherd is, would kind of be considered farm work, I think. Having to stay out in the fields and tend the, the flocks. Having to move them one, from one place to another. and So it wasn't a cushy job. But yet from a young man, David served God. And he was the one who went up against God's enemies when he went up against Goliath. A young man who had a lot of trust and confidence in God. Knowing that he could slew, uh, slay Goliath. Oftentimes I wonder how much 
confidence do we have in God to protect us? Is it a thing that we don't really worry about? We just know that God's going to take care of us and we just go about our business? I think that's the way we ought to be, having knowing God's going to take care of it. I don't have to worry about it. God's going to take care of it. As long as it's according to His will. But David put his trust in God. If we read the 23rd chapter, uh, 23rd Psalm, we see that exactly. We see his attitude there and how he trusted God. We're all familiar with that Psalm. But what about Psalm 121? If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 121. And let's see how David writes and puts out his feelings for us to look at and for us to see how he felt about God. It's not a very long psalm, but I think it says a lot. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, and even forevermore. That just brims over with confidence in God. That lets us know that David had a tremendous amount of faith and trust and confidence in God. Can we be like David? Can we have that kind of confidence? We can. It's not exclusive to David. It depends on our heart. It depends on how much we put into it. You know, oftentimes people will say, well, I didn't get much out of that sermon, or I didn't get much out of that movie, or what, or something. The question is, well, how much did you put into it? How much were, you know, how much connection was there for you? And when it comes to the Word of God, we need to be fully connected. Yes, David had his problems. David was human, just like we are. And he gave in to sin, just like we have in our lives. But he didn't give up. We should never give up. No matter what happens in life, we should never give up serving God. Because without serving God, where will we go? When those left our Lord and Savior and went another way, and our Lord asked disciples, will you go away too? Peter said, where shall we go? It's not that we're here because we have nowhere else to go. Thing is, is there's no better place to go. There's no better place to be in this life than serving God. I look around at people when I'm on my way to services, and and I wonder, what is that person really thinking of? Evidently, they're not really concerned about their salvation. Now, I know that I see people who are on their way to services, like I'm on my way, But we know how the majority of the world is. We know the majority of the world tonight is not inside a building listening to a sermon or singing songs. We know that. So why are people 
in such a state of mind that they don't even think about their eternal state. Well, out of sight, out of mind. I was not always faithful to the Lord, and I, I think back on those days. I think back on those times other people were going to services, and they were going to, to worship God, and I wasn't because I chose not to. I was too caught up in the world. I was too caught up in what I wanted to do. It was all about me. But this is the best place for us to be. The best thing to do is serve God. And David did that. He did not let those problems that he had with Bathsheba and the dying of their son and the, the murder of Uriah. And, and He didn't let that stop him from serving God. He bounced back. And we too can bounce back. But he never lost that faith in God. Sometimes our faith dips down a little bit. But where does it stay most of the time? That's the important thing. Do we rebound from the adversities of life and rekindle that faith and that confidence in God and trust in Him to take care of us? I hope we do. David was a man who was very aware of his, net, uh, his need for God in his life. He can be an example to us, helping us to realize that we never should give up, that we always need God. I don't know if you are like I am, but I've moved a lot in my life. As a child, my parents were moving a lot. And as I got into my, my adult years, I moved a lot. But every place I moved, I knew where I was going. Yeah. I didn't have to wonder when I loaded the car where I was going. I knew. But what about Abraham when God called Abraham? Abraham had no idea where he was going. Would we have had the confidence in God at that time to say, doesn't matter, God told me to go, He's commanded me to go, and I'm going. God will provide the road. We know Abraham did that. He followed God. Of course, God promised him that he'd be the father of a great nation, spiritually speaking. But yet Abraham did not know where his uh, move would take him. He had no idea what he was going to encounter, but yet he trusted God. He obeyed God. That's one of the most important things that we can do is obey God. We might not understand every little detail about it, but we can understand enough that God wants us to obey the command, and he has given us the intelligence to understand his word. Many feel that you really can't understand God's word. Well, I don't read the Old Testament, it's just too hard for me. Well, I don't find in the Scriptures where God said, don't worry about the Old Testament, it's just too hard for you to understand. <laughs> now, if I've missed that, please bring it to my attention. But God would not give us a word that we could not understand. We know there are exceptions with people who uh, may not be able to, they may not have the ability to. Uh, because of some situation. But the norm is that God gave us this word because we can't understand it. Abraham understood that God wanted him to pick up his belongings and move. Not knowing where he was going, he still understood that God wanted him to pick it up and to take it and go. 
So Abraham trusted God also. And that's, the, that's one main thing we see in all of this with all these brethren is the fact of trust. They trusted God. I don't know what it would be like to get up and not have something to trust in or someone to trust in for my unseen future. Now many people believe that there is no God and that when you die, you die and that's it. That's all. There's nothing else. Well, we know that's not the case. Knowing that's not the case, then I know my future is not only in this world, but then into the spiritual world. Now, God has already told me that. He's told me where I'm going. One place or another, it's left up to the individual. But at least we know in that spiritual sense where we're going. And we can know that we will be with God if we continue to follow God's word. Remember Lazarus and the rich man? Luke 16, we read about Lazarus and the rich man. Well, when the rich man opens his eyes and he's in torments, who does he see? Abraham. Father Abraham. And they're having a conversation. So where is Abraham? Abraham's in paradise. Where did Christ go when those three days that he... Uh, when he was crucified on the cross, he went to paradise. How do we know that? The Bible tells us that, right? Jesus was talking to the thief on the cross. He says, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's not hard. So we know that there is that spiritual realm for those who are God's. And we can know that. Abraham was God's because Abraham followed God. If we ever face that situation, I would like to think that we would be just like Abraham. God says, pick up and go, we pick up and go. Abraham, a true servant of God. I think one of the best examples for us, for someone who had a, a very hard job to do, I don't even know if that describes it, that would be Moses. I don't know how it would be to lead a hundred people from here to the west coast, much less a million or two, across a desert. Out of, out of bondage, out of slavery. Yet Moses, along with Aaron, did that. Now Moses came up as Pharaoh's grandson. He came up in a very nice home. It had everything he could want. He was not like the slaves that were out away from the kingdom. He was raised as Pharaoh's grandson. What do we call that? Being raised with a silver spoon in your mouth? That's exactly it. But you know, Moses had a true heart. He did not let that wealth blind him to reality. And God knew that he could use Moses to lead those people out of Egyptian bondage across the Red Sea into the Sinai Peninsula and toward the Promised Land. Now, did Moses try to get out of that to start with? Exactly. I think Moses knew how tough it was going to be. He tried to offer up excuses why he couldn't be the leader. But God answered every one of those excuses because God wanted Moses to lead the people. And it was not an easy journey. There were a lot of... 
there was a lot of complaining from the people. You know, there was people that were just disgruntled and thinking, well, you know, if we're going to go be brought over here to this desert area to die, why do that? Why not just leave us in Egypt? We could have died in Egypt. Or we could have had this kind of rationing over in Egypt as far as their food. So there were several that were what we might call unhappy campers. But yet Moses continued to lead God's people. I don't know how long I would have lasted on that job. (laughs) But Moses, an ordinary man in the sense, but called by God to lead God's people into freedom. If we go back to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, about the number of examples that are there for us. Moses, well, I tell you what, let's just turn over there and you can see what I, I see as I look at this verse. Because we live in a world that's so unlike that in many ways today. People don't want to give up things. They want to have a nice living. They want to have, ha- have very uh, nice furniture and things like that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But Moses had that and he gave it up. Verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, it's not a matter of just giving up here the the pleasures of sin. It says that he was willing to suffer along with the people. He was willing to go a different direction than the easy way. He chose not to enjoy those pleasures of sin, but rather suffer the affliction that those people did. I hope I get this right because I think it's an important saying. You can't lead where you won't go and you can't teach what you don't know. Now, we have seen people throughout our history and world history try to do that, leaders who try to lead without willing to go themselves. But we have seen leaders who were willing to go themselves. They were better leaders. There are people in this congregation tonight that have been in the military and have served in wartime. And ask them, which would they rather have? Someone, a leader that would be willing to be there with them or a leader sitting in Washington behind a desk? They would appreciate much more someone that would be there on the battlefield with them. Moses was one who wanted to be on the battlefield after getting over the initial... I imagine the initial shock of having to lead that many people. But Moses was a, a man who chose to suffer the affliction of his people along with them. And then one last one I want to look at tonight is that of Job. We always hear the statement, the patience of Job, which Job suffered a lot. 
we, we always talk about what happened to Job in his physical body. What happened to Job before he ever got to that point? He lost all of his children. He lost everything he had, and then he had a wife that wanted him to curse God and then die. And then he gets the physical part of it to where he's covered from head to toe in boils, a, a very excruciating pain. How do you get through something like that and still retain your dedication to God? Well, Job did it. Was Job without questioning God on some things? Not at all. Is it wrong to question? No, it's not wrong to question. It's how we question and maybe what our questions are. Because we're told that in all that Job asked and said and did, he didn't sin against God. He did not charge God foolishly. And yet he suffered tremendously, not only physically, but emotionally. I only have two children, and I wouldn't want to lose either one of them. Moses, uh, Job had several children, and he lost them all. It's hard to imagine that kind of pain. But yet, Job did not give up on God. He didn't, he didn't curse God and blame God for all that had happened to him. He knew that God was responsible for him having what he had. Job was the richest man in all the East. That says a lot. And yet, Job also understood how God viewed him. Not only did Job know that he was a faithful servant of God, he knew that God knew that too. In Job 23.10, Job makes a statement, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, if you don't know anything about melting gold or other metals, oftentimes when it's smelted down, the impurities come to the top. They'll take, and melt, they'll take a mixture and mix it with the metal or whatever, and then they heat it up and it gets melted. It's red hot, white hot, and then the impurities separate from the pure. And Job is saying that I'll be pure as gold because I serve God. He wasn't being arrogant. He wasn't bragging. He was just making a statement. He knew that God knew him. And we know that when we look at the first of the book, when God calls Satan and says, Have you considered my servant Job? God knew who he had out there, for an example. And of course, Satan's charge against God was, Well, the only reason Job serves you is because you've done all these things for him. You've put a hedge around him. You've protected him. You've given him all these things. Get rid of those things and we'll see what kind of man Job really is. Well, God allowed Satan to do anything to Job that he wanted except take his life. So what happened to Job, we see, was because Satan did it to him. But yet Satan did not win because Job stayed true to God. Can we take a lesson like that and apply it to our lives no matter what happens in our lives that we can come through as gold if we're purified does God know who we are he knows who we are but are we the kind of people that God wants us to be 
Job was a man of more than just patience. He was a man of strong conviction to God. You know, there are a lot of examples in the Scriptures for us. We don't have to go far to find great examples of people of God living for God. I hope that we can reflect on these few tonight and make a difference in our lives and how we serve, how we face the week beginning tomorrow, how we're going to implement these things into our lives to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. I don't know about you, but I enjoy looking at the examples that we have. I enjoy looking at these brethren, these people who have dedicated their lives to God because it lets me know that it can be done. There was one other thing that I was thinking about the Apostle Paul, and as I mentioned, the fact that he was on the road to Damascus, sent into the city, and Ananias was sent to him, told him to rise. Why tarest thou arise and be baptized? The fact that he obeyed that. He didn't come up with some kind of comment. Well, baptism has nothing to do with my salvation. I was saved when I believed. Paul obeyed the command given to him by God through Ananias. I think that speaks well of a person when they realize what the truth is and they're willing to do it. Are you here tonight never having done that? If you ha have not done that, you're still on the outside of Christ. You're on the outside of the body of Christ. But you can change that tonight by submitting your life to God, hearing that, that comes from God's Word, that understanding. You know, we hear God. It's like that phone commercial. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? God has been wanting us to hear for a long time. Are you going to hear God tonight when He tells you to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That you need to repent of your way of life that is so contrary to God's will? Confess Christ and be baptized for the remission of sins? That would put you in a category of the examples that we have, those who are all obedient to God's Word. You need to do that tonight if you haven't. As a child of God, if you need to come forward for some reason... Something in your life is amiss and you need to correct it publicly. We pray that you'll do that and not put it off. But come as we stand and sing.